Father, we, we do recognize that we have a desperate need for you every hour, every moment, every day. Lord, we believe that you are good and we believe that in you, Lord, that you can bring us peace in the midst of all kinds of storms. So, Lord, we thank you for allowing us a space this morning to press into you. And, Lord, we pray now that you help us to press into you, to press into your word, that we might hear you and might respond. So, Jesus, you said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Lord, this morning, would you give us ears to hear? So we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, if you will... um, This morning will be in Acts 2, 42 through 47. If you have a Bible, you can follow along there. There's one in the seat ahead of you. If you don't have a Bible, that's our gift to you today. Go ahead and take as many as you would like. Um, We we are always good to give out Bibles. And so if you don't have one, take one with you. It'll also be on the screens. Um, Before we read the text this morning, um, a couple things. One is, um, as we've kind of been giving updates week to week, um, we are in the final kind of process for the worship pastor, and uh, we will um, hopefully in the next uh, few weeks be making an announcement, but we're down to our final candidate, and we're looking forward to what God's going to do. I'm really excited about that. Brian and I met with him this week, and uh, we're hoping that God will kind of continue to lead us and guide us as he already has. So really excited about that. And the other I just say is thanks for praying for me as I go to India. Um, not to be overly fantastic about India, but where we're going and um, and the pastors that I'll be with and preaching to. Um, I don't know if you know a lot about India, but the places that they serve, um, they literally put their life on the line daily for the sake of the gospel. It's an unreached, unengaged people group, although they've planted 85,000 churches. Um, there's a massive population in India that, has, uh, that, <clears throat> that need the gospel. And so pray for me that God would use me powerfully. But I would say on the other side of that, pray for me that God would give me vision as I watch and look at the great movement of the gospel there. I I do believe India Gospel League, who I'll be working with, as far as I know, there's not a larger movement of the gospel in the world. They planted 85,000 churches since 1992, and God is blowing on what they're doing in a very, very special way. And so I would urge you to, if you would, pray for me, but also pray that God would allow me to see um, what he would have me to see while we're in India as I get to see the church moving in a very unique way in that part of the world. So if you will, this morning, um, let's stand together as we read God's word. Acts 2, 42 through 47. Acts 2, 42 through 47 reads, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Now, just real quick, that Jesus is arrested, he's crucified, he's buried, he rises from the dead. There's 11 appearances we have accounts of. He, he, teaches, he commissions them, he ascends to heaven, they wait in the upper room, they go out and they preach the gospel in Acts 2, 42 through 47, the community that is formed after the day of Pentecost. So we're talking 45 days, right, from the death burial of Jesus to today, if that. And so... So here in this text, it says, this is what they were. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. 
They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Father, we pray that you would open our eyes, illuminate our eyes to see what you would have us to see in this text. Again, that you'd give us ears to hear, and Lord, that you'd anoint me and use me as we look at this text today. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Maybe seated. So when I was in college, I was walking into the lunchroom at Wayne State College in Wayne, Nebraska, and in Wayne State College, we called our cafeteria the gag, so you can go with that. Walking into the gag, and a guy um, who was with crew handed me uh, a, a sheet of paper, and on it it said, Transformational Communities. And then he said, hey, read this article, and if you would want to be a part of something like this, meet in this room after uh, tomorrow night. So I read the article, and it was Transformational Communities. It was on Acts 2, 2 42 through 47. And the question that the article proposed was, what if God could do something like this on your campus? Would you want to be a part of it? And I was like, yes, I would like to be a part of that. Now, a little bit of backstory. I had been a Christian for maybe a month at that time. I'd grown up in the church, but maybe about a month I'd been a Christian. I meet this guy, and so I go to the meeting. 28 of us show up at this meeting. He says all these things about it, and then six of us, um, kind of from that meeting, meet in another meeting of kind of who's going to take this further. Now, at this point in time in my life, I, again, hadn't been a believer very long, but I had been in college for a while. So I was in my first junior year, and, uh, and uh, so it's a little bit of history. And so I was in my first junior year, and um, the first two years matter in how fast your other years are going to go. And so, so as, I was, um, as I was sitting there, um, I was the oldest person in the room, and they said, somebody needs to be the president of Campus Crusade. And everybody kind of looked at me as the older one in the room. So within a month of being a Christian, I was the president of our Campus Crusade for Christ on our campus, and I was leading our movement. Now, um, so we just did kind of what, so we like, what, what do you do? How would we do this? And so I said, I guess we should pray, right? So we met at 7 a.m. and every morning, and we prayed. And then we'd go eat breakfast together, and then we'd meet at 7 a.m. and pray. Five days a week, we did this, and then we'd prayer walk some. So the first year, we saw 42 people kind of become engaged with Campus Crusade and what we were doing. And then that summer, we continued to pray and continued to do. Debbie was a part of the leadership team with me at that time. And, um, and then the next year, we had 107, and then we had 200, and then at some meetings, we had 250, 300, and God began to move on our campus. Now, it was a campus of 5,000, and we kind of caught a vision in between that 40 and hundreds and growing that what would it be like to put the gospel in arm's reach of every student on our campus, kind of like this text? What would it be like to live this out and do it? So we had these dreams, like, what if we put, what if we put a Bible study on every, every floor of every dorm on campus? And what I believe happened over that season of time at Wayne State College is we put the gospel in arm's reach of every student at that college. We did crazy things, like there was 45 student ambassadors, so we said, well, there's 42 of us, what if we all become student ambassadors. That's basically everybody. And then we'll share the gospel with all the freshmen. And then we'll know that every freshman has heard about how to know Jesus. 
And so 38 of us became student ambassadors, and we looked like the biggest organization on campus because we were all student ambassadors. And we began to do this work, and we saw God begin to move in a great way. So this text, for me, is much more than just a simple text. It is this maybe most influential text for me and how I see the church and what I long to be a part of. Because even today, when how I think, it's not how do we manage an institution, but I think how do we put the gospel in arm's reach of every person in Stark County? How do we move outward that we have a community that looks like this, what the church was? See, I believe this text gives the irreducible, ecclesiastical minimum of what the church is. So say that again. The irreducible, ecclesiastical minimum, meaning if you could reduce the church down to its most finite systems and structures, right, ecclesiastical church, if we, the, the minimum of what we are and how we shape or form, if you plop the church in Thailand, in India, in China, in Europe, in America, in South America, if, if you could plop it down anywhere, what are the minimum things? And this text gives us those minimum things that forms what the church is today, forever and always will be. So, so in this, this, this text kind of shows us this. So let's look at the text again together. So in Acts 2.42, I'm going I'm to kind of do a little exposition on the text here for a minute, and then we're going to look at some things that, that is common threads throughout the text and then some application for us to finish. So Acts 2.42 says, this is kind of, 42 is the summary. So there's a community that's formed, and the summary of it is they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. We're going to talk about that in a moment, but the apostles' teaching. This was when they were spending time with Jesus. They would have been sharing, but this is what Jesus taught us. This is what he said. And they would have also been pulling from the Old Testament, saying this is what, what, what the word of God says. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, koinonia, a deep, intimate relationship, to the breaking of bread, hospitality, inviting other, others in, and prayers. And awe came upon every soul. So the the 43 is like a result. Uh, The supernatural becomes natural. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. It says, and all who believed, right? All of the believers, they were were together. They shared life together. They, they, They shared life together. They had all things in common, meaning values and desires and longings for the kingdom to come. They shared this common bond in Jesus. And they were selling their, and this common bond led them to being action oriented. They were selling their possessions and belongings and to distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. They were selflessly giving to one another and to others. And day by day, attending the temple together, going where the word of God was. And breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, again, together, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added, I love that hymn, the Lord added, the Lord added daily to their numbers those who are being saved. So in this text, we, we kind of see this, this greater thing that we are as a church in its, in its initial forming. So one of the things that we can see that was true for them and true for us is they and we are called to gather together. So if you're following your notes, they were called, we are called to gather together. So it says, and they devoted themselves. So they devoted themselves to the apostle teachings and day by day attending the temple together. 
So devoted to the apostles' teaching, attending the temple together. So what's happening in this is there's this common priority and commitment to God's word and the teachings of Jesus. So this common commitment to gather together underneath the authority of God's word, right, the Old Testament and the apostles' teaching. Now, the apostles' teaching would have worked out like this. I said, you wouldn't have believed it. One day we were with Jesus, and there was this woman. She got thrown out in the middle of everything. She was naked. They found her caught in adultery. And everybody had a stone, and they were ready to kill her. And Jesus stood. He went in the middle of the crowd and he said, he who is out sin cast the first stone and we didn't know what was gonna happen. And then Jesus spoke with such authority that he knelt down in the dust and he wrote something and everybody scattered because they knew that they had sin. These arrogant, pompous men spoke and when Jesus spoke, they didn't act and they didn't do the very thing that they would have once done. And it would have been this moment where they were teaching about the apostles, and they would have said, so we were walking through a vineyard, and he grabbed a vine, and, and he took it, and he broke it off. And he said, I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me, and then he kind of acted like he was grafting this thing back in. He who abides in me, and I in him, he'll bear much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. I mean, how amazing it would have been, devoted to the apostles' teaching, to sit there and hear first-hand accounts of all the things that we read about, we have accounts of, but all of it, even more that we don't have, that they told. And so they devoted themselves to the, to the apostles' teaching and to, to, and day by day attending the temple together. The temple wasn't like this. It wasn't this building. It, the temple was where the word of God was. They, they don't have Bibles underneath their seats. They didn't have them in their homes. They didn't have them in their hands. They had to go to hear the word of God where the scrolls were, and the scrolls were in the temple. And so they would go to the temple. They would hear God's word so they could, so they could live this out. And so they were called to gather together to devote themselves to attend this priority of learning, learning what it was to follow Jesus. Now, there's this misconception with gathering together. This has been something, to be honest, that has been the, this thing I've had to think upon of trying to put my finger on it. So I'm gonna give you my best at putting my finger on something today. So there's this kid, um, his name was Josh Sinkfield. He preached here last spring, and he was a young man who I discipled for many years. When Josh was about 16, 17 years old, we began to meet. And I had, at that time, these little booklets we'd go through. So I'd give him a booklet, and we would <clears throat> meet a week later. And I could tell when we'd sit down to meet that he had taken the last 10 minutes right before we met to diligently work very hard on that booklet, right? And then when we would get together, I could tell that his answers were very shallow and he was very disconnected. So then we would meet over the next few years, and every meeting was basically like that. Sometimes he was at school about an hour away, and so we would drive and meet in the middle, and I could tell that he was very, very tired from the late night out before, and we kind of kept meeting like this. And then we went on a mission trip, and we went to Kosovo, where we, um, we went to Kosovo, and we were doing a, this kind of prayer gathering at night, and in the back of the room, Josh is weeping. And I go back, and... We cry together, we talk together, but something changed after that night. Josh began to grow, and when we'd met, he'd done way more than what, what I'd asked him to do, and he began to grow in this really, really supernatural way. 
when I was involved with Campus Crusade for Christ, we saw God do this great thing on our campus. And then I went to seminary, and I got a job at a local church, and I was a college pastor. And so going from this great kind of explosive movement I'd been a part of, prayer was the central part of what we were doing. I, I remember thinking, well, I guess the first thing I need to do is get these kids like praying together to, that God would use us to do something bigger. So at seven o'clock, I started this prayer time that we were gonna have, and at 8.30, we're gonna have worship on a Wednesday night. And so guess how many people showed up to that seven o'clock prayer time? None. And I remember thinking like, whoa, wait, like... This is like central to the Christian faith. And I began to think, why, why doesn't anybody come to this, but everybody comes to worship? Like, what's the, like, prayer is like, actually, prayer and the word are like the two things of the faith, yet one of, like, what is this, right? Are you with me? So here's my conclusion. I think the reason that no student showed up to pray, and I think the reason, um, well, we'll start with Josh. I think the reason that Josh didn't grow is he didn't have ears to hear. Jesus says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And you can't do that for anybody. Because what for Josh was the win was just showing up to meet with me. Even if he'd done it for 10 minutes, the win was just to show up and do the work. But I could tell even when I talked to Josh, he didn't have ears to hear. He wasn't listening. Truth didn't sink any deeper than the surface of what we were saying because he didn't really care to hear it. He just, knows, he just knew he should do it. And I think the same thing with those students. The reason they came to worship and not to prayer was because they'd been taught their whole life just to attend. If you go, that's enough. It's a when if you come. And so prayer wasn't really this when because it really wasn't a part of what we'd been taught as a when of the faith. Are you with me? See, there's this call in this text to gather together. The, the call is to gather together, but see, the call is not attendance. The win is not showing up. The win is spiritual growth that leads to personal renewal, that leads to personal multiplication, that leads to personal obedience together. Jesus, right, he says, hear my words that you might live this out he who has ears, let him hear. So we are called to gather together to hear from on high that it might be lived out in our lives. We're called together that we might devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching, that we might devote ourselves to the very word of God, that it might infiltrate our lives and change our behaviors. But church, I think sometimes, sadly, we, we settle to gather together and the win is that we showed up. Now, it's kind of unfortunate because some of you are sacrificing greatly to not watch the Browns this morning, to sit here and listen to me. And so you're like, so you're telling me that I sacrificed that, and you're telling me the win isn't that I showed up. Well, if you're not here to grow and change, and you're checking it off, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying it's kind of pointless to just show up and show up, and show up, because God wants us to do more than show up. He wants us to grow. He wants us to change and to be devoted. So we're called to gather together for the purpose of hearing the words of Jesus himself that we might be the church in the day-to-day -day of life. Second that we see in the text is that we are called to scatter together. 
we're called to scatter together. To, another way to say that is to live on mission in the everyday of life. To live on mission in the everyday of life. And so we're, we're called to scatter together. So it says in the text, verse 42, it continues, it says, and they're devoted to, to the apostles' teaching, in the fellowship, to the breaking of bread. So there's this koinonia is the word for fellowship in the Greek. And this word is this deeply connected, rooted, loving, caring, familial faith. Now it's, it's like, I love a good potluck. I'm, I'm just saying, I love it. Um, not all of it, but I love most of it. But a potluck really isn't, it, it like can be fellowship, but it's not necessarily fellowship. Because fellowship is this, deep connectedness between one and another. And so I have a potluck every week in my MC at my house or someone else's house, and so I do that. But the fellowship isn't in the eating of the meal. The fellowship isn't the connecting of lives. It's the connecting of lives to where when we sit down together, we don't have to say, what are your prayer requests? But we say, hey, how's your son doing? I've been praying for him all week. Hey, since we talked on Tuesday, it's Thursday now, I was just wondering, like, how did yesterday go for your husband at work? I know that he was really struggling with that. It's this koinonia of this deep knowledge of one another in life. And so the fellowship to the breaking of bread, which has this hospitality, breaking of bread in their homes, they receive their food with glad and generous hearts. And so um, I'm going to illustrate this this morning. And so I have a a thing that I believe that the car ruined the church. And I'll tell you how the car, the invention of the car, Ruin the church. And so if you're with me, I need two volunteers. So how about Kate and Michaela? Come on up. You guys are like, I don't want to do this. You have to. So come on. Your pastor told you. All right, come on up. Don't be embarrassed. You're fine, basically. And so so what you're going to do, I want you to stand over here. So stand back here. And so, so what happened? We've got a little box here. I want you to get in the box. Okay. Yeah, both of you in the box. So you're in the box, and uh, this box is before the car. Okay, and so you're going to walk around a circle in the box. Right? You're going to walk around, like, just, like, follow each other. Yeah, just walk around. So you're, you're walking around your life. You're at the grocery store. You're like, hey, friend. You give each other a high five. What's up? Right? And then you're walking around. You're, you're at the park, and you're like, oh, my friend. I just saw you yesterday. What's up? You give each other a hug. Right? You hug. So you're like, I love you. And then you're walking around, and all of a sudden, you're at church, and you're like, sister! No, you shout, you shout that. Sister. Yeah! And they hug, and they hug again, right? And this is their life, and they see each other all the time because they don't have cars. They just have horses and buggies, right? And your parents won't let you use them, and so you just see each other all the time. It's this wonderful thing because you're so close. But then Michaela buys a car, and she gets into the other box. All right, go, this is your box. Right. So now you're going to walk around in a circle in your box. Okay? Both of you. Yeah, I got to rip the tape. Can't use my teeth. My dentist told me not to. My teeth. So you're walking around, and you're walking around. You got you to converge at the same time. This has to be, you have to cross your, and then you, you're at church, and you're like, hey, friend. That, that was super insincere. And then, then you're at work, and then you're at recreation, you're playing, you're doing all these things, and you see you at church again, and you hug each other. You're like, I've missed you. I haven't seen you in so long. And then you walk around the circle, right? Okay, so, so what we're going at here is the issue that the car has brought is that their lives are now very distant. 
because their lives don't intersect anymore. It's not that they meant to. It's not that they wanted their lives to no longer connect. But really, church is the only time where they say things like, hey, how's it going? And their lives used to be super connected. They would say, it's hard, I've got this, I've got that. But now they just say simply, good. Because their relationship really isn't any deeper than that. And so Michaela is like, this has got to change, right? Because she's a little bit more spiritual than you. And, uh, and so she's like, I'm going to change this. And what she does is she begins to move the tape of her life. She says, I don't, if I can get her tape up, she says, I don't like this. And so I want to move my box. And I'm going to intentionally begin, I can't do this. I taped it wrong. I don't, I, so your box came over here. Sorry. And her life began to intersect, and so now they walk around, and even though their life wasn't what it once was, I know, they intersect more, and they give each other high fives. They love each other, and they know what's going on. Thank them. Good job, guys. See, I don't think many of us intentionally have moved to a place where we have disconnected lives. I think our society has moved to disconnection because of inventions and because of technology, because of the way in which we live our lives. And we as a church, if we want to change the narrative, we have to become the ones that begin to take initiative in saying, I don't want to be disconnected from others. Because as a society, there's really no other option for us because all of us, if we ask the question, hey man, how's it going? What's the number one thing that anybody says? Good. And then we say, man, how's, how's life? And we say, busy, right? We say busy, right? Everybody, anybody in the room busy? Raise your hand if you're busy. Right? I don't even say that anymore because like, that's just normal, right? So I'm just like, same old because this is busy. We're all busy. We're all good. And somewhere we have to begin to move spaces. And so if we are called to scatter together, then we need to begin to engage life. And so there's some things here we have called ABFs. There's things here we have, women's and men's Bible studies. There's these things we have called missional communities that meet, meets in homes during the week. The reason I believe these things are really important, one, for you to spiritually grow, I think it's important to do those things. But I think another reason is you will live your life disconnected if we don't engage at these levels with one another. And the more you can move into the box of someone else's life, the more you'll be able to reach them for Jesus or in the faith, the more we'll be able to encourage and bless and care for one another. And so in this text, what we see is this kind of life that where they lived in this box, a circle, and they shared all of life together. So we are called people to a common community with others. So, so then under, underneath this, we, we see that not only are we, we called together, we're called to scatter together. Thank you, ladies, for showing us that very, very well. And then we're, we're also called to grow together. We're called to grow together. And so it says in, in verse 42, and the prayers, right? So they, they prayed, they had these spiritual disciplines in place. They were committed to the word of God, the apostles' teaching. It says, and all who believed were together. They had all things in common, that we shared this common beliefs. We com shared this common ethic of life, this way to live under the authority of Jesus, 
and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing proceeds to all as any had need. And so what is happening in here is there's this action-oriented faith, so this devotion to God, devotion to his word, devotion and prayer, it led to something in life. And what it led to in life was living engaged for a greater purpose in growth. And so growth has to do with not just my head, but it has to do with my heart and my hands. See, I would say that, that real Christian growth only begins with the mind, but growth really ends and is displayed through the hands. And so what we see happening in here is they didn't just learn the principle of giving, but they heard what Jesus said about giving. And what Jesus said about giving is, who treasures up things on earth, stores them up here, right, where moth and rust destroy, that's not the way to go about it. But what you should do is treasure them up where? In, in heaven. And they're like, oh, that's true. And so I'm going to give. I'm going to give, and what it says in the text really is sacrificially, meaning I give till it hurts so that others have. Because growth wasn't just a principle. It was lived out. It was formed deeply in us. And so growth, they were committed to a growth that, that was lived out in the day-to-day, in the moment-to-moment of life. And so the supernatural, it came when they were living in submission to Jesus and all of his teachings. All of their lives underneath his lordship. All of, his, all of their lives underneath his authority. And so the result of a community that gathered together, the result of a community that grew, that, that scattered together, the result of a community that grew together was, verse 43, and awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. The supernatural became a natural part of their life. Verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people, the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. When they were committed to these things and living out this way, God gave an increase. God did a supernatural work. God put people in their proximity. God saw this, uh, people saw this peculiar people that loved each other so deeply as we read here that they were strangely drawn toward this community that loved each other excessively, that gave to each other excessively, that engaged life with each other excessively. This is the result of a community that formed in this way. So this familial kind of faith can only go as far as each of us will embrace our God-given place and family. And so for us this morning, for application, just three simple things that God might kind of reveal to you this morning in light of this text, what we've said. So maybe in, in way of action statements, it would be this. I will gather with others under a greater authority. It's a commitment in my life that I'm going to gather with others under a greater authority in my life, meaning that no longer for me will attendance be the win. Showing up will not be where my joy is found. But I'm going to pray that God would give me ears to hear. And then when I hear his word, I'm going to respond to it. 
I love Josh. Josh is a great pastor. He's a great friend. He did a great job here. I've spent time with him since. He's amazing. But I was just like Josh once. I didn't have ears to hear. I didn't listen. I'd come to church, and my greatest goal was to not fall asleep noticeably. If you're with me there. Uh, you know, there's ways you can position your arms to really look like you're not asleep. Uh, or you're deeply in contemplation and prayer. You've done it before. I know some of you that do it. I see you. And, uh, but, but gathering together, saying, God, God, I want to have ears to hear in my life. And I'll tell you, I don't care how long you've been a believer. That's a great prayer to pray. And I hope we never, ever stop praying, God, give me ears to hear you. I've had children in my own life that haven't had the best ears to hear me and it's somewhat frustrating. I never want to be that kind of child to my father in heaven. Oh, that I'd have ears to hear him. Those of us who don't have ears say things like this. Yep, yep, I know. Oh, you should have done it this way. Should have been like that. What if they would have done this? Turn it down too loud. But what if we came in to gather and just said, God, can I hear you today? Because I need to. I need to hear you today, God. And I'll tell you what, this pastor, I need to hear from God. I think all of us do. We, we change our posture. I will gather with others under a greater authority. Second, I will scatter with others for the purposes of fulfilling God's greater plan. I will scatter with others. And so what that might look like for you is simply just saying, I'm going to invite somebody over for supper this week. And if that really freaks you out, what I just said, like, no, they can't come to my house. Not doing that. Maybe go out to supper, right? But just letting someone into my space that I don't normally let in. Maybe a, a brother or sister in Christ just saying, I felt connected with them. I know them. I want to know them more. Come over and hang. Deb and I do this all the time, and people don't know my wife around here, and so we'll invite people out to lunch just on Sundays that we don't know because we think it's good to have people in our space, in our life, and them in ours. And then they sit down, and they're like, oh, your husband's the dude on the stage. That's weird. Uh, and so that happened, right, Josh and Nikki? And so, so, so it's these kind of things, we let people into our homes, let them into the spaces of our life, and I don't know what God's saying to you with that today. But you do. And whatever God is saying to you in regards to scattering and being the church, just step in obedience. Maybe he's saying, get in an ABF, get in an MC, get in a women's or men's study. Get, get somewhere where you're connecting with people in a greater way to learn and have relationships that will fulfill his greater purposes in our life. And then last, a commitment of saying, I will grow with others on this journey as I act upon that which I have learned I will grow with others on this journey as I act upon that which I have learned. Simply just saying in our own lives that I don't want the information I learn about Jesus to stop at my head. But I want to move to a place of conviction in my heart and an action with my life. And then moving, saying that, that with that, and, and here's the thing, that this morning, as I'm preaching, God does stuff like this. And God has done it to me where he just says the weirdest things. And I think, I shouldn't do that. And then it comes to my mind again. I'm like, okay, maybe that's your Holy Spirit telling me something. And then he says it again. I'm like, definitely don't want to do that. That's really silly. And then I'm like, I'm not going to do it, right? 
But sometimes that might be something like you need to call your daughter. You may need to call your son. Maybe something as simple as you need to, you need to ask for forgiveness. Maybe you need to bless this person. You need to care for this person. Maybe you need to give up some of your treasure for the greater purposes of the kingdom. Like he may be saying all these things, and what do we do in response to what he says? We act, and we learn to hear his voice, and we act upon it. And so what I'd say this morning is whatever he's saying, simply this, like Michael Jordan, just do it, right? Just do it. Whatever he's saying this morning to take action upon my faith, just just step into it and do it and be obedient. So again, the commitment, I will gather with others under greater authority. He who has ears, let him hear. I will scatter with others for the purposes of fulfilling God's greater plan. I'm gonna let people in my life and I'm gonna step into theirs. I will grow with others on this journey as I act upon that which I have learned, that I'm going to act upon the truths that God has given me day to day and as I hear his voice in my life. See, I believe today that we should be encouraged. We are children of the king. We're a part of an eternal family. And so I don't know if you know this, but most of the people in this room, you're going to be spending eternity with. Now that might freak some of you out, right? But here's the deal. Let's get to know each other better before then. Let's, let's engage with each other's lives. Let's love each other better, care for one another better, engage in life together because we are children of the king. We are sons and daughters. We are brothers and sisters. And when we press in together, the possibilities are endless. And so why, why do any of this? We're gonna sing a song that I think encapsulate the why. Because Jesus paid it all. And all to him I owe. Because sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed me white as snow. He washed me white as snow, and now I'm a part of a much larger family than I could have ever dreamt. I'm part of a much bigger vision than I could have ever thought. And he's asked me to gather, to hear, and to respond. He's asked me to scatter and to go out with others and know others and engage in life with them. And he's asked me to grow up and act upon which I've done. Why? Because my Savior paid it all, and I owe him everything. And so here's my life, Jesus. Use it for your glory. Let's pray. Father, help us. Help us to respond well to what you've said. Lord, I pray at these altars, Lord, if there's someone in light of what we've said, just to come and pray to say, Lord, give me ears to hear. Maybe for the first time or again, Lord, I pray you'd give them the strength to pray in their seats or here for that. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to respond and and engaging with others in our lives, of, of opening the doors of our homes, of opening the doors of our lives to know each other more deeply, that we might be blessed and others might be blessed and others might know you. Lord, and that we would grow, that we would act upon that which you have said. Jesus, we believe that you rose. We believe that you have paid it all and we believe that we owe you all. So Lord, help us to respond. Lord, I pray that today, the person that doesn't know you, Lord, would come to know you. They would repent and turn in faith to you. And you'd save them by your grace. And the people that need to respond simply to your word today, give us the strength to do so, whether it's at these altars or in our seats. I ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.
If you'll stand, let's sing together.